0: Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week, we gather right here to make connections that break through that illusion of separation. And I know... In the next hour, there's something that may shift your perspective on sports, play, athletics, maybe even how you view competition. What do I mean? Well, can participating in sports, athletics, or even recreational play accelerate the evolution of human consciousness on our planet? Good question. Can the world of sports teach us Transformational practices that translate the wisdom of sports ideal performance state into practical training methods that include energetics, awakened states of consciousness, and the unification of mind, body, and spirit. Well, a collective of doctors, psychologists, scientists, world-class athletes, and leading-edge coaches think so, and they are ready to show you and the world how. So, if you're wondering how to get into the zone and stay there, how to evoke higher states of being through sports, maybe even to be present and mindful in competition, to create peak performances at will, and even how to maximize team chemistry and fan energy. If you're wondering, you're in the right place today. Our guest is enthusiastic and passionate about all of the above. We're going to take a fun, hour-long exploration into this field. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self. As I introduce our guest, Barry Robbins, graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in psychology and has worked in administration for 25 years in the field of law He is the vice president of ITP International and senior teacher and lineage holder of ITP, Integral Transformative Practice, co-founded by human potential visionaries George Leonard and Michael Murphy. He is a former nationally ranked first team All-American fast pitch softball player with a 30-year background in yoga. Robbins teaches ITP workshops at Esalen Institute, IONS, and other parts of the U.S., and is a certified trainer in ITP and L.E.T. Leonard Energy Training. He leads the ITP International Program of Exploring the Field of Sports as Transformative Practice. His focus is on bridging ITP principles and practices into various disciplines, including athletics, the workplace, and education, as well as being involved in research for ITP. Robbins is a contributing author of the newly published book, and I have some gentlemen in my life that are really enjoying this book, Sports, Energy, and Consciousness, Awakening Human Potential Through Sport. It's authored by world-class athletes, coaches, and trainers, and this book brings forth groundbreaking work in the new world of extraordinary performance both in and outside of sports It offers a new worldview, a unique perspective of sport as a transformative practice, as well as many cutting-edge practices available for everyday life. You don't have to be an athlete to enjoy what you're going to learn in this book. So with that, I want to welcome you. Welcome, Barry.
0: Thank you, Julie. Uh, It's good to be on the show and good afternoon to you. And What a wonderful introduction.
1: Mm, Well, thank you. You know, it's fun to introduce this topic because not only are you amazing and the book is incredible and all the things that you guys are doing is, but it's such a fun thing to just try to connect consciousness in this whole new way that we're not used to hearing. You know, we're used to talking about mindfulness. We're used to talking about meditation. We're used to, you know, all the different health perspectives, spiritual perspectives psychotherapy. But now we get to talk about it and really immerse it in sports. But very. So it's a fun, fun, fun topic. I can't wait to dig in. But I have a traditional first question here on the Dr. Julie show. So I like to really ground our conversation in a higher perspective. And just last weekend, I was reviewing some of the responses that I got because I, I just love hearing the different the different ways people explain this. So I'm going to start with our traditional first question, Barry Robbins. What does all things connected mean to you?
0: Ah, well, that's a good question. I, I'm, I'm glad you just started with that because I can just be in the moment and let whatever comes in come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're doing right now on this broadcast. And for me, it's a recognition of the unitive nature of who we are that we are both individually individual. Uh, Every one of us is different. We are a handy metaphor for the universe, but we have different compositions, makeups, personalities. And then, Julie, at the very top, there's a part of us that's also unitive, that we are connected, that we are part of a larger whole, uh, that we are the very essence and elements that have miraculously combined from the universe to form these beautiful living bodies. So a short answer to your question.
1: Mm. Well, thank you. That was, that was good. And the thing that I appreciate, Barry, is that you have been exploring this unitive consciousness. You've been exploring all things connected in your life with your ITP practice. And... You are a former world-class athlete so now you're really connecting those two things together why don't we start just by explaining to the listeners first what ITP is because it's a it's a huge part of what you bring to this conversation and, and I think it's an important integral part of this conversation so t- tell us about ITP
0: Thank you so ITP is integral transformative practice um, it's really the first coherent Uh, integral practice that was created and brought forth here in the West by Michael Murphy, who is one of the two co-founders of Esalen Institute, and George Leonard, who was their president for 20 years. Both of them visionaries, authors, uh, teachers, practitioners. Uh, George was a fifth-degree Aikido sensei as well. Um, He is no longer with us. Michael is alive and flourishing. And, um, Julie, you know, lineage is a part of all of our lives. So if you look at the lineage of ITP, where did it come from? Um, It originally came from a prior movement, which George and Michael were prominent in, which was the human potential movement. And that movement really basically stated that we're really using just a small part of this vast potential that we have within us. There is so much more. So um, It really created quite a stir in the 60s and 70s. And then the question was, well, that's great on a philosophical level, but how do we do that? How do we evoke our greater potential? And through all of their collective work at Esalen Institute, 80 years of combined knowledge, they distilled down this practice because what they realized was that when you went away to a workshop at Esalen or anywhere else, perhaps you had an enlightenment experience, you had an insight and then uh, George and Michael were fond of saying that a weekend workshop lasted till the following Wednesday, and um, a five-day lasted for about a week. So the question is, how do you sustain any good learning that you get from a skilled teacher or practitioner? And so they developed this practice to encompass a combination of things. One is multiple worldviews and philosophies about the integral that... By engaging in an integral practice and increasing our development in both body, mind, heart, and soul, having a consistent and across-the-board development in our physical nature, our emotional, our spiritual, and our cognitive nature, that that would be the best way to evoke our human potential, to elicit more of ourselves. And then how to do that? By having good practice. These are transformative practices. And I can give you a working definition, which is a complex and coherent series of activities that produce positive change in a person or a group. So an example of that could be anything as long as it's done consciously and well. Yoga, parenting, religious or spiritual activities, marriage, professions, lovemaking, and most definitely sports. So uh, that's the second component. The third is community. That... A healthy community, conscious community, is something that really allows us to create the fertile grounds from which we can grow and receive support and sustain a practice. And then the fourth leg, if you would, of ITP is research. We do empirical research uh, to try and separate it from the woo-woo components. And this practice was brought forth about 22 years ago, 23 years ago, Um, It lasted two years. George and Michael had a uh, sort of a group, a beta group of 35 or 40 people. When they were finished after two years, they thanked the group for participating and said, you know, we're we're going to complete the group now. And they wrote a book called The Life We Are Given About This. The people in the group, Julie, um, were so energized by being in a conscious community that they asked permission to continue those communities And one thing led to another. It spread. There are many communities all over the world. ITP turned into a nonprofit, ITP International, which is uh, led by Pam Kramer. She's the president. I'm the vice president. And the practice has really been a major influence in the world. There are multiple second- and third-generation transformative practices, integral transformative practices. And the idea here is by taking transformative practices and integrating them together, it offers the best opportunity for the fuller realization of ourselves and our potential.
1: Mm. Thank you for that. That's a really good explanation of ITP. And so here you are, and you mentioned this, so I'm going to I'm going to just say what you said to me yesterday. And I would never call an athlete a dumb jock, but you were talking about the research and and really bringing it into this grounded place of of woo woo versus the dumb jocks. We talked about that yesterday yeah, like this yeah. the spiritual practice and and now, all of a sudden you as an i p t practitioner or teacher, you have made this leap into the area of sports with a whole community of other like-minded, amazing individuals who are ready to really explore consciousness and sports. So how did you, Barry, how did you make that connection and that leap forward?
0: Yeah, good question. So um, my sports background goes back to uh, actually just being a little boy and just loving the athleticism of playing sports, and um, I actually developed that over time, and uh, became involved on a, you know, on a, on a very high level of sports competition and play, and you know, engaged in the sport that you'd previously mentioned. And then, Julie, at the same time, I was always interested in spirituality, and what I found before I really understood. Spirituality and mysticism, and what that stands for, is that I was having these experiences while playing sports, that were sometimes otherworldly or paranormal. Uh, for example, uh, you hear about now it's uh, you know it's it's the flow state or getting in the zone, and for some athletes, this is the holy grail of sports. When you enter into this hallowed place, it is as it turns out no different than a satori state or a samadhi experience. You're entering into a different field of consciousness. And so I was living in both of these worlds, but I didn't have the language to explain or understand it. And in fact, most of the time when athletes experience these remarkable proclivities, it sort of stays in the locker room, Julie. Uh, They're concerned about talking about it because of how they'll be viewed. So uh, as I developed both of these worlds and, and then got into ITP, this realization came to me that sports and spirituality are really kissing cousins, and that they're really expressions of the very same thing. So yes, there are these stereotypes, and sometimes sports people can look at people in the world of spirituality as woo-woo and out there, and sometimes there's a reverse. A syndrome of trying to compartmentalize athletes as dumb jocks or just physical beings. Well, as it turns out, the body is the temple for spirituality. It is one of those incredible places. And uh, when we engage in sports on an energetic level, the world of spirituality is revealed to us. So that really came to me, and... Um, it, what's interesting is, Julie, there's this ongoing dialogue between right brain versus left brain, between the technical and the intuitive, and that's in sports and that's in all walks of life. For me, what's really true is the non-dual, that both are true. Uh, for example, when you learn to play the piano, you've got to learn to play the keys, the chords, the notes, the fundamentals, the foundation. This is true in every walk of life. So that technical side, Julia, of piano playing is really important. And then what it does is it allows us to play jazz, to go to the intuitive side, and do something remarkable. Now that's true in sports, that's true in business, that's true in life. That it's the both and. There's Yogi Berra, one of our great American philosophers, and the former uh, all-star catcher for the Yankees used to say, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. So it's both. And um, that's true in sports and spirituality. And one of our goals in this group that I'm in is to make that bridge, to have people understand that we're talking about the same thing. I hope that's helpful.
1: That's, that is helpful. And I appreciate the, the way you, um, explained it using like the piano and, and business. And it's, it's art. It's a lot of things really when we, when we master the skill part and the technical part and then we get out of the way. So, so thank you for that. I think that's an important part of this conversation, and I and I really appreciate that you take that non-dual approach. So, here we are learning sports from a very young age in this culture. So, I, I just want to really ground this again in a bigger conversation, Barry, and then we can get into more and more details. But I, I love how you have explained this to me so i really want to go there Great. is that so here we are we 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 get our kids out on the soccer field when they're 3 and 4 and they're they're kicking mm. the ball and then they go into t-ball and they're they're hitting a the ball off of a i don't even know what it's called but that little pitcher thing that they mm-hmm. stick the ball mm-hmm. on the batting
0: tee the tee batting uh-huh. tee
1: thank you and so <laughs> You know, from this young age, we get our kids into sports, and we're moving our bodies, and we're into fitness. And then something has happened in our culture. And I just, and I'm going to say this, and it might sound like I'm being judgmental, and forgive me if it is. But it's almost like our culture has swung clear to one side of the continuum and have become over competitive we're driving uh. young kids hours to practices to leagues to compete we're going out of state now to compete there's so much focus on this and and now competition is everything and athletics are everything. And, and I know that's not true for everyone, but you had a really beautiful explanation about competition to me. And I think it's really important to, to add this in as we begin to talk about even our peak performances, let's talk about competitive sports, because we know if we, if we learn the rules and the technical part of basketball, for example, or any team sport, and then we get out of the the way, we can get into this flow state and we can do amazing things together. Mm-hmm. But but there's this negative connotation right now with, with this over-functioning competition piece. So let's talk about competition before we go any further.
0: That's great. Thank you. So it's a word and it depends on how it's contextualized, how people define it. And it has various permutations and definitions. Here in the West, uh, I would I would very much agree with you, by the way, on your observation. And, of course, when we make these statements, they're not um, exact statements that apply to everybody. They're broad breaststrokes about where we see culture moving and the direction that they're moving, Julie. So I, I really appreciate your observation. Here in the West... Uh, The term competition, by the way, this is true in business, in every walk of life, in medicine, Mm -hmm. in art. The term competition, when it hits the lens of the culture of the West, sort of the prism of of the culture, uh, many people have interpreted it to mean to beat the other person, to get over on them, to win, and therefore somebody else has to lose. And so... The word competition and being competitive has certain connotations. The true meaning of the word, the Latin verb, the root of it, is compare. And that term actually means, from the Greeks, to grow together. And this is one of our hopes, that we can really reconceptualize a lot of these terms to give it a deeper meaning and understanding. So, Julie, the term grow together would mean, with respect to the human potential, to elicit the best and bring the best out of each other. And when you see that happen in sports, for example, I'm a Warriors fan. The Warriors played last night. They're in the playoffs. They're really the exemplar for what it really means to be a team, to support each other, and to allow individual growth within a team to flourish. They do bring out the best in each other. And for many people, they're drawn to that. They're drawn to team, to team sports for that same reason. So it's, a, it's an example and a good one about how context makes a huge difference. And who's telling us what these meanings are, Julie? Is it culture? Is it media? Uh, corporations? I mean, we really have to look inside and really define this for ourselves. And I think this is a significant issue with the West because we have to look at the West Uh, in a very different way. Um, And for example, let's, let's use the word uh, the term yoga, the concept of yoga, because when I talk about sports and the things that we're interested in, we're talking about fitness, play, movement, yoga, dancing, activities, athleticism, weekend athletes, all the way up. It's a continuum from, from there all the way up to, you know, organized sports and professional sports. So, Yoga, as an example, was developed, one of the reasons it was developed in the East was as a means to prepare the body for sitting meditation practice. Very interesting and good reason. When it was brought forth here to the West, it hit the lens of our culture. It hit the prism of our culture and it emerged in a different way. And now you see yoga in every city all over the United States. And some of it is Western yoga. It's a set. It's a workout because Mm -hmm. of our culture, because of the West. Now, I also see it being redefined and coming back to its original roots, which includes contemplative practice, which includes yoga on another different level, the exploration of consciousness, for example. I'm using that as an example of the context that we hold something. And we have to understand what our culture is about and how the creation of both individual practice and social change merges together so that we can change culture. Now, in sports, by the way, I consider sports to be the great Western metaphor because in sports, you see the extraordinary happen right in front of your eyes. You see the remarkable. You see time slow down. Uh, it, actually, people defying gravity sports that have only been here for three or four years, you see all of it right in front of your eyes. And really what it is to us, just like your radio show, is it's an incredibly potent medium to deliver a message. The question is, what's the message? Is it the message that our medium would like to relay or is it something that's deeper to us? Mm. And so being able to look at all of these terms and recontextualize them is very important. When we look at competition, can it be a way to teach our children in the third and fourth grade how to grow together, how to get along, how to bring the best out in each other, how to elicit this higher consciousness uh, that we're talking about?
1: Yeah, very good. You know, we just have a minute before the break, so this is a good time to just bring that all into this context because I think it is important, Barry, What you're doing as a collective, and we're going to talk about that after the break with sports energy and consciousness, is really using that context for this non-dual state that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But those lessons, really, of this illusion of separation between me and you, sports is a perfect way to see us working as a unit, seeing us working in our oneness together, where we all become one unit. So it's a beautiful way to do that. And thank you for that for that definition of competition. And and we'll talk about that again right after the break. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Barry Robbins and we're going to talk so much more about sports, energy and consciousness when we return. We'll be right back.
0: This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well.
1: Last one to the Old Well's a Rotten Egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! what do you say?
0: Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.
1: Remember, adopt. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back? After you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on, and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the Lost Cat Magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website, too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just
0: play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit.
1: I saw lizards and squirrels and ducks, ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually.
0: A place where you don't have to make time for free time.
1: Lots and lots of kinds of species here.
0: Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, is that one. The free-to-be-me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Back to the Dr Julie Show, All Things Connected on Empower Radio.
1: Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others or maybe just listen to it again, please visit our website thedrjulieshow.com, thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links. And a listing of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, all things connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. Today we're talking with Barry Robbins, and we've mentioned IPT ITP International. I want to give you that website, ITP- or hyphen international spelled org, ITP-international org. Also, we're talking about this new group evolutionary thinkers creating some really good stuff. We're going to talk about what they're creating just shortly, but you can find them at sportsenergygroup.com. Again, that's sportsenergygroup.com. Okay, Barry, thank you for entertaining me. I really think it's important that, we look at that competition piece because a lot of our listeners are really visionary leaders and change makers who are really looking at the evolution of consciousness on our planet. And when we talk about competition, that is one piece that people go, no, we're moving out of this duality and this compare, contrast, compete. And we're moving into this place of harmony and balance and cooperation with one another. So we've set this, conversation in, in two different tenets here. One is, one of the things that you're doing through sports is helping individual people, no matter what level of performance, have these oneness experiences. A lot of the experts will call that an awakening experience, that, that runner's high, that zone, that flow where literally they feel connected to all things and they, they see the unity of all things. So that's an important piece. And now we're talking about Competition and individuals and learning how I love that to grow together, how to really bring this sport as a transformative practice in our collective to really transform our collective consciousness. So let's just talk about the evolution of consciousness before we go into some Mm -hmm. of the things that you're going to be doing because one of the things the SEC, Sports Energy and Consciousness Group, is about is really awakening our human potential through sports. So how do you see this? I know you talk about it as a metaphor for life.
0: Yes, very much so because what's What's true in sports is true uh, in our life. It is that kind of metaphor um, I, w- I do want to add it's it's remarkable by the way, Julie the statistically significant number of people who are involved in either competitive sports or athletics who go on to become a spiritual or a teacher mm. and, it's, and we were talking about this the other day it 's statistically significant, and I would argue one of the reasons is because people on that level, that are involved in sports have mystical experiences. And they then are finding it being usefully defined in terms of spirituality. I told you my story earlier, and that's just what happened. I finally understood what was really going on. And the nice part now is rather than hiding this in a locker room, we want to give permission to people to discuss this in those terms. So uh, I think that with consciousness, this is all about the change in consciousness. We're, you know, sports, energy, and consciousness. And one approach we're taking is to look at these multiple worldviews. One is that sports is a transformative practice. Another is the integral in athleticism, the integration of body, mind, heart, and soul. And then supernormalities in sports, the things that show up that just mesmerize people. And when that happens, something occurs in the form of consciousness because consciousness is driven by these experiences and then also the experiences drive the evolution of consciousness. So just to use a term, consciousness transformation, um, a profound shift in your experience of consciousness, which can result in long-lasting changes in the way you understand and relate to yourself, to others in the world, and when that happens, you can have a transformative conscious experience that results in these long-lasting changes in your worldview, um, and as opposed to a short-term peak. Yeah. So I think that the the understanding of consciousness and our relationship to it is so important. And uh, no one is sitting here wanting to specifically define consciousness. I mean, we have all of our own views. But when you have that kind of unit of experience, when you hear an athlete who's done something amazing, Julie, in an interview say, you know, I want to thank some religious figure for running through me or the divine or spirit or God or Jesus, it doesn't really matter to me who they're talking about. What, what's most important is the recognition of this unit of nature and the fact that they have become connected to a greater whole, to a larger consciousness, uh, to an all-embracing body of energy that's moving through them. And you hear that, by the way. Artists will say that. Musicians. I don't really know. It just came in. Uh, so it's, it's really this interesting developing theme. And again, when our consciousness shifts to be able to hold and embrace this, Something changes in our worldviews, and we become larger and bigger people, and in turn, society evolves.
1: Yeah, and I want to just bring one more piece into this conversation, Barry, because for me, this conversation is a healing balm for all the the bad rap that a lot of sports get, especially when there's steroids and you know behavior issues that we're looking at. But here's the other piece I want to bring in, and I'd love to hear your response or opinion about this, is that... Literally, millions of people are watching sports on our planet. They're, par- they're participating as a spectator, not as that athlete having these experiences. So how do we evolve the consciousness on the planet of these people who are so tuned in? Like you said, we get mesmerized when someone does something superhuman. So what do we do for the spectators as well as the participants?
0: Right. So it's all about the message because... There's probably billions of people who are watching sports. I mean, it is simply the most popular thing in the world. And in fact, Julie, before I just go there, I just want to mention that some of the venues that people go to for for transformative experiences are big arenas for listening to music, religious um, and uh, esoteric wisdom tradition, Buildings or synagogues or temples or churches, right? Mm -hmm. And another is sports stadiums. And they're going there to have an experience. So there's something about the direct experience of being involved in a group of people that is unitive in nature. And then, of course, the media, TV, radio, and all sorts of other uh, forms of media convey that experience to people indirectly. I mean, the sort of the fun part, technologically speaking, is now we have these fantastic plasma, huge TV screens, great sound systems, incredible cameras and equipment. Uh, so they're conveying the direct experience of what's happening in a sport more so than ever before. But then, Julie, to your question, I would say there's still no, no substitute for the direct experience. Mm -hmm. because that's where the transmission occurs. There's a transmission. It can be electrical. So what's the message we want to give to people? Be a couch potato and watch it on your own? Well, maybe a little. Maybe there's a little bit of both. I mean, I love watching some sports on TV, but my body loves to move. And so, again, I think this is incumbent upon us to recontextualize the message about what we're really talking about. Is it sports or perhaps it's fitness or movement? It's the alignment of the body. As I said earlier, the body is the temple of spirituality. And just think about what happens in our body, Julie, when we exercise or move it. All the electrochemical responses, adrenaline, dopamine, all of these remarkable flows of energy that move through us Well, of course we're going to get a a highly accentuated experience because the body is becoming accentuated. And for me, we become more aligned with the greater powers of the universe when we do that. So, yes, it's sitting meditation, but it's also movement and exercise.
1: Yeah, that movement piece is so important. We know that. Um, just the, the whole experience of energy and consciousness moving in our physical physicality is important. But, you know, there is also that energy of being, you know, if you've ever been to a Nebraska Cornhusker game on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon and something good happens, you feel it. Whether you decide to stand up and cheer or not, you You're cannot right. not feel it. There is that electric unifying energy that moves us we we physiologically viscerally feel it so we're moving in a positive direction and i hope that your group really looks at violence in competition and yeah. and and really i know maybe in next year or the year after or the year after really looking at how do we transform the consciousness around violence in sport Do you have a thought about that now?
0: Well, that's a big question. And again, it's the shadow side of sports. Yeah. see, Sports, like anything else in life, has all aspects. And when we see the shadow side, um, we've ignored it before. We've stuffed it. We've excused it. Uh, Most recently, I was very, very pleased that there's a group of basketball uh, players, well-known basketball players, got together and did a commercial about violence and guns. They made a positive statement about that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we can overlook it and then Julie you know you've got to look at these sports because each one is an expression of a personality trait that's mm-hmm. very different than the other for example golf we do a, a a fundraiser and we have a golf event and it's modeled around Michael Murphy's uh, biggest the, the best selling non uh, or excuse me fictional golf book in history golf in the kingdom we have nine of the holes are mystery holes. We teach people how to putt blindfold. It's very far out. Uh, but golf, for example, has a different ethic and morals than football. In golf, if you make a mistake, you call it on yourself. People are very civil to themselves. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they uh, treat each other with a certain level of respect. There's a certain ethos in, in sport, in golf, contrast that to hockey or football, where it tends to be more violent. So sport, Julie, is a reflection of our culture and the different aspects of our culture. And you can look at each sport in a very different way. Baseball, for example, which is the one I played in, is probably of the four major sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, is the one that has the lowest noise level, the least um, appeal for continuous action, Mm -hmm. let's say. Because in football, there's just this high-level crowd noise. When I go to a baseball stadium, Julie, the crowd noise is very low. It's one of the only major sports where you can go and actually have a conversation with each other and then watch the game and come back to the conversation. I like to go there with people I like. And there's a low-level crowd noise that's like a mantra. And it sort of gets everybody stoned in a certain way. You just hear this low-level crowd noise from 40,000 people, and then, boom, some action happens on the field. The crowd noise level spikes up and then comes right back down. So not only does do all these sports reflect uh, part of the American culture, the Western culture differently, but also energetically um, they create certain types of consciousness and energetic effects on us. And I just wanted to mention a little bit about energy. I hope that answers your question, by the way.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for interjecting that. Yeah, talk about energy.
0: So energy, sports, energy, and consciousness. So energy is very interesting because um, we are energy beings. We're made of energy. Uh, We reflect energy and we radiate it. Uh, And depending upon whether we're unconscious or conscious about it, it can take on various aspects. And I want to say that the similarities between sports and spirituality are shared in energy expressions. So, for example, sports phenomenon include ESP, intuition, synchronicity, deja vu experiences, remote viewing, clairvoyance, telepathy, telekinesis, a whole range of energy energetic experiences that both of these both of these areas share. Mm. And when a player said, you know, I knew that pitch was coming, that's very similar to somebody saying, you know, I just knew something was coming in. I knew you were gonna call me. I had a premonition about something. So these two areas are sharing very similar attributes and I think it's incumbent upon us to have this discussion, to make people aware aware of what energetics are really all about.
1: I love it, love it, love it. So, Barry, this is a good opportunity then. Let's shift this because I want to make sure you have plenty of time to talk about this. So you have this amazing collective that got together and said, let's write a book. And then you said, whoa. Let's have a conference. So not only do they have this book, Sports Energy and Consciousness, which I recommend anybody interested in this topic, but now you're going to get together and share it with even more people physically. You're having a conference. Tell us about it.
0: We are having a conference. Actually, we're calling it a festival because it is a celebration, Julie, about all things relative to the sporting life, to the good sporting life. And uh, we decided to do it to make a statement for the very things that you're talking about, so that these kids in the third and fourth grade and their teachers and coaches and who are mentors who are like spiritual teachers in their own way can have a venue where they have the direct experience of what we're talking about in a combination of a number of different ways. So it's an outreach and it's an extension of the book. And uh, what we're doing is we're having uh, we have two keynote speakers. And that is Michael Murphy and Ken Wilbur, who are arguably the fathers, some of the major fathers of the integral movement. And then all of us, there's a number of us, 14 or 15 people, will be offering cutting-edge transformative practices, experiential breakout sessions, three of them each two hours, on all aspects of sports and consciousness. And there's some far-out stuff there. But we want people to have the direct experience. And we'll also be having some panels where we're going to be talking about some really interesting things. One of our guides, for example, uh, Rick Leskowitz is a Harvard professor um, who is, by the way, an ardent Boston Red Sox fan. Hmm. And um, he did a movie. He produced and directed a movie called The Joy of Sox. Isn't that a great name? The Joy of Sox. I <laughs> About how fans impact Play of the players, how they can elevate the players now. And he uses Fenway Park, which is one of the hallowed halls of baseball, um, as his uh, subject for the movie and also all of these well-known Boston Red Sox baseball players at the time who absolutely underscore the fact that the crowd, the energy and noise of a crowd makes a difference, makes a huge difference. Just like you were talking about when people gather and you feel this at a Nebraska Cornhuskers game. There is a transmission. It's electric. And um, it really underscores the term the home home field advantage because of the difference that a crowd can make. So um, that's going to be on one of the panels. And what we really want to do is create a constellation of integral practices that are sort of rooted in the fields of sports and energy psychology, neuroscience. We're going to be talking about the science, a, a neuroplasticity and epigenetics, mindfulness, consciousness practices, visualizations, affirmations, intuition, intuition, breathwork, yoga, and and basically the systems dynamic of flow in sports. It's all going to be covered in this area and, and uh, we're getting a very strong response from it because a lot of people that we talk to have been saying i've been waiting for something like this for a
1: long time. Yeah. yeah. Who should go, Barry? This is fascinating. You have you have doctors, psychologists, scientists, world-class athletes and these coaches. Who should attend this? Can anyone go?
0: Yes, it's open to anybody and that's the idea again to take an integral non-dual across the spectrum approach. It's available to people who just like to exercise or walk or dance or do yoga or are involved in fitness. We have people from wellness centers coming. We have coaches and athletes. We have people involved in professional sports and some very well-known people who are going to come. And if I may, Julie, I'd just like to um, recontextualize this whole understanding of what this is all about because... When we're young little infants in our crib, we're crawling around and our parents hang stuff, toys, over our crib and we start to play with them. And then we grow up a little bit more and we start to play with each other. We play with these toys and we start to create our own games. We make things up as we go. It's natural Mm -hmm. to the individual. And those games turn into more organized games. Some of them turn into sports, some of them turn into organized sports, some of them turn into professional sports. But the idea is we've been playing our whole life and we still are. So the festival is an opportunity to play together on a different realm, and a different area, to, recon- to recontextualize our understanding of what all of us is talking about. So yes, it's meant for everybody uh, to come. And uh, my buddy Dave Megacy, who is a former uh, pro football player for the <clears throat> for the Cardinals likes to use the term that sport is organized play. So we want to invite people to come and play together.
1: Excellent. Okay, so tell us the details. It's in June in California.
0: One of the in Northern dates? California. They- yes, thank you. It's in Northern California, June the tenth through the twelfth. It's at Dominican University, which is this stunning sort of a sleeper of a venue. Um, in San Rafael, California, which is in Marin County, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. We have a website uh, that you've just mentioned, and we have an Eventbrite page for people who want to sign up as well. And I'm going to pick you up and drive you to the event personally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, that sounds like an, an offer. Were you talking we'll to the listeners or to me? <laughs> Oh, So I want to remind our listeners, they can go to sportsenergygroup.com and the very first thing on the page at the top is the link to the event page. So go to sportsenergygroup.com. If you're just putting it in your browser, just put sports energy and consciousness in your browser and you will end up there as well. And I just want to remind our listeners too about the itpinternational.org. It's I-T as in Tom, P is in Paul dash, international, spelled out, dot org.
0: So, Julie, I just want to mention one more thing, and thanks for indulging me, and that is that what we're doing in part represents a shift an evolutionary growth of the human species from Homo sapiens sapien to Homo sapiens sentient. And these transformative practices that we're engaging in, as Michael Murphy says, are the emerging limbs and organs of our super nature. So we have all of these new practices and opportunities to work together to really create the bigger us, the bigger me, the bigger you, and the bigger us collectively.
1: Wow. And you know, the thing that I really um, appreciate, Barry, about what you're saying here is tying it to fun. You know, we have, and we just have a few minutes left in the show, but I just want to make this observation because we have so many groups, individuals, organizations on the planet trying to come together, trying to create this evolution, this transformation of our consciousness, how we work together. And we're we're in rooms, we're, we're talking, we're trying to create new models, we're, we're experimenting with new forms, and here you are coming in with sport and playing and having fun and creating the same models. So thank you all for your brilliance, your vision, your genius, and sharing it with all of us.
0: Well, you're so welcome. And Julie, this is the Sanskrit term for play is Leila. And for us, this is our evolutionary birthright. Mm. to Play on this earth and create
1: and engage in
0: lifelong learning.
1: Thank you. Play and create. So I just want to read the mission of of SEC because I think it's important before we close here. So the sports, energy, and consciousness mission is to accelerate the global evolution of human consciousness by providing transformational practices that translate the wisdom of sports' ideal performance state into practical training methods that include energetics, awakened states of consciousness, and the unification of body, mind, and spirit. Isn't that nice? Barry, thank Mm. you so much for joining us here today. I appreciate this conversation so much.
0: Well, you are welcome. It's my honor, Julie. And the ultimate uh, objective of all of this work is to take it into everyday life, that we can look at life as spiritual practice and take the learning and the trainings and all these approaches and make our lives better, enrich each other.
1: Thank Mm. you. Beautiful closing remarks. I really appreciate that. Hey, I just want to remind our listeners again, it's itp-international.org and sportsenergygroup.com. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show. You can find more about upcoming guests and get the link to this show. Share it with everyone. That is the thedrjulieshow.com. And remember, together we're creating connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time. I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.